Hello and welcome. You are listening to The Investor Lab, the auditory epicenter for passionate people seeking a life of freedom, choice and abundance. That was awful. (laughs) Hello. Hello. Who are you? I'm Gabby. Hi, Gabby. I'm Goose. Hi, Dr. Goose. (laughs) Hi, everybody. (laughs) Oh, gosh. What are we we doing here? What are we doing? We're getting big. (laughs) We're making them gains. We're making them gains today. What are we talking about? Inflationary gains. (laughs) Inflationary gains. That was not even close to good. (laughs) No, that was a little bit rough around the edges. Okay, right. So, so on today's episode, we talk about inflation. We talk about what it is, Mm -hmm. why it's caused. What what do we cover today, Gabby? Because I did a lot of talk. I don't even know what we talked about. What do we cover? (laughs) So we talked about inflation from the angle of like a lot of people seem to have a bit of uh, fear and uncertainty of inflation and its effect on the economy and the effect on your like personal investment strategy. Because I think people think of like they see the current environment and they see like prices going up and they hear the word inflation and they like if you don't quite understand it, it can seem a little intimidating and it can kind of pause your action pause you in your spot because you just don't understand it so we just wanted Mm -hmm. to kind of pull that apart um what it is why it's actually a good thing and we actually need it in the economy and to keep the keep cash moving through the system keep prices going up keep everything moving and and um lubricated i suppose and obviously we talked about obviously when things go badly as well when there's probably too much inflation or if there's uh deflation as well uh yeah so i think it's just it's important for people to understand so that you know we're here to bring people the tools and the understanding of all of these pieces and how they work together so this is just another important piece of understanding this whole game 100 percent. so if you have been wondering what the hell is inflation, how does it work, mm-hmm. what causes it, what does it mean for me, how can I use this to my advantage and all of that kind of stuff, then I'm confident <laughs> you're going to be able to extract at least some value out of the absolute rambling. So I really waffled a lot today, Gabby. So it's good. It was it was from the from the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, good. I'm glad that my spirit is full of inflation. So, um, all right, guys, without any further ado, let's get stuck into it. And, of course, if you like this, make sure you like, rate, review, share, give it to a friend, family member, or loved one. And, of course, if you need help to form a – to build a prolific and powerful property portfolio, then don't hesitate to reach out to us. Just head to dash.com.au. We'll see you on the inside. (laughs) Bye. I mean, hi. (laughs) (laughs) See ya. Hey guys, welcome back to the Investor Lab. Hey Gabby. Hello Goose. Hey, how are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm well. Why are you whispering? You know what's exciting? Sorry, I didn't. I went, didn't wait for the answer. Why are you whispering? <laughs> didn't wait for the answer. <laughs> well, I'm coming to you live from our wardrobe. <laughs> well, okay, not not really a wardrobe. Also, not really live, but I had to say it. I'm in the multi-purpose room of Goose and Gabby's apartment. 
Yeah. So um, felt like if, felt like whispering during that as well. So yeah, it's a little creepy. For those listening, may they may notice a bit of an audio difference because we've just we've just re set up for home recording. Looks like we're going to be locked down for a little <laughs> while. I've got my lockdown beard happening. You do. I've got. I'm turning into a lion. I've just got. I've got a. I've got a forest of hair everywhere going on. Yeah. Well, what you just said before we hit record was, I think I'm going to shave my head. And then you went, let's record. <laughs> so <laughs> do we need to talk about that while we're recording? How are you feeling? Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. We just for those of, for those listening, we just had some pancakes. So we just had some <laughs> we just made some vegan protein pancakes. <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> no, no, but it's interesting. it's interesting. We've got lockdown, we've got pancakes. Yes. And but what would have been really good, right? The pancakes were tasty enough, but what would have been really, really good is if they inflated a little bit more, if they were a little uh, fluffier. Oh! Uh, nobody else gets that yet, but I get it. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to let everyone in on the joke? I don't what, are we talking what about? the topic is today. <laughs> today we're going to be talking about pancakes and pancakes. inflation. Yes. Now we're going to be talking about inflation today, Gabby, yes. aren't we? <laughs> we are not pancakes. Sorry, no. Guys. Sorry. No one cares about the pancakes, but a lot of people care about inflation. So, what are we going to be talking about today, Gabby? What, what's the, what's the go with inflation? Where do you want to start with this topic? Well, to be to be transparent, I know very little about inflation, um, but I know that it's something uh, that massively on a huge like macro scale in the economy is a huge kind of piece in the way that the whole machine works, and obviously mm. how it affects property. Um, and so you you know significantly more about inflation than I do. So mm. um, and I know that you've brought it up recently that like there's it's something that people kind of have a bit of fear about or have a bit of trepidation about just the word inflation and but they don't really understand what it means yeah. and how it affects like their decisions in property. So I yeah just thought it would be good to chat about. I think it's a great. I think it's a really great topic for us to be chatting about. I think it's awesome. So, um, given that we have different levels of knowledge about it, what I think would be really good is for you to um, try and mine some data nugs. Mine some nugs. Mine some nugs out of my scone, uh, and then what do we go from there? So why don't we? Why don't we? Why don't we do that? Because I think I think inflation right now. I think it is something that people need to be. Well, a lot of people are thinking about it, right? And there are a lot of people are questioning. You know, should they buy property? What happens in inflation? Does it make sense to buy property in an inflationary environment? Is there going to be inflation? Is inflation bad? Is it good? Like, I think there's a lot of stuff that that you know. I believe that nothing is either good or nothing is good or bad. Everything just is, right? Mm-hmm. And inflation is no different. Um, and I think it's a really uh, valuable topic for us to be to be digging into. So, Gabby, where do you want to start? Can you give a bit of context of like why, like what are people's main concerns about inflation? Like are people just not wanting to invest right now because of inflation? Well, I did, no, I, th- I, th- I just think that people are unsure, right? right. Uh, people are unsure yep. because they don't get it, right? <laughs> because people don't get it. They don't understand it, right? And in very simple terms, Inflation is when prices go up, like mm-hmm. pretty simple, right? It's the simplest, the simplest way to think about. It. And in fact, a much more simple and uh, easy to understand definition is, is when the cost, right? When the cost 
of goods and services increases without any value being added. That's the difference, right? Because mm-hmm. if a loaf of bread costs more um, the next day than it did today, but but the next day it's covered in gold, right? Well, that's got value added, right? So therefore, okay, well, the cost has gone up. Fair enough. Cool. All good. Mm-hmm. But when the cost of bread goes up, but it's the same bread, the same, exactly the same bread that you could have bought the day before, then the price is inflated, right? And there's mm-hmm. simply inflation is happening all the time. It's been happening for ages, which is why in in 1970 the cost of a loaf of bread was uh, 21 cents in Australia, 21 cents for a loaf of bread in 19, 1970, and then mm-hmm. it, now the average cost for a loaf of bread is is $2.35. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's inflation there right so inflation happens all the time but we also haven't had a lot of inflation for like the last roughly a decade right don't 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 quote me on any of this kind of stuff i'm not an economist right so maybe just i don't think it matters (laughs) anyway but like it's roughly about a decade or so could even be a bit longer that there's been it's been a low inflation environment um because what what the government wants ideally is about two to three percent inflation right every year and the thing is, we've had less than that for the last decade or so. So, in real terms, prices haven't really been rising, um, and that's had some downsides to the economy. Um, and really, really, what they really what the government wants is they want to see a continuously a continuously growing economy. So that's so, yeah. yeah just on. just on that, like why why do governments want inflation? Like why? Why do they set up the system to make that happen? It's because st- it stimulates more productivity within the economy, right? And so a lot of people would think, like, why the hell would we want things to be more expensive, right? So mm-hmm. in order to give that some context, we have to explore um, the paradox of thrift, which was a Keynesian um, uh, philosophy, right? So John Maynard Keynes, who, um, you know, back in the mid part of the last century, he kind of defined modern economic theory, right? And so a lot of people say the system that we operate under is is commonly called Keynesian economics um, or Keynesian monetary theory. Now, under Keynesian theory, um, the problem, what you want consistently is you want to have a continuously inflating economy, typically at around about 2 to 3%, right? Because what happens if is if price if you have zero inflation so not even deflation just zero inflation right what happens is that production gets more efficient because as people as people as people and businesses and countries grow and learn and get to do things better and better and better things become more efficient right and as they become more efficient the cost of goods goes down so in real in a in a real sense the loaf of bread would cost uh, less the next day and not more or actually not even the same amount because as as productivity increases the cost of production decreases and therefore the cost of goods and services decrease as well right which may seem like a really really good thing but then you get this but then you get this um this problem called the paradox of thrift and the paradox paradox of thrift says that if the reasonable expectation is that things are going to be cheaper tomorrow or next week than they are today, it encourages people to spend less, right? They're more likely to save their money until they absolutely need something because they know that whenever they buy it, it's going to be the highest price they're ever going to pay for it. So it actually decreases the the um, 
that impetus for people to spend money on stuff. Mm. The problem with that is that also then decreases the demand for things. And then as the demand decreases, that means that production de- uh, decreases, which means that people lose their jobs, which means that, you know, the whole economy starts to fail because there's less, produ- there's, you know, less taxes, there's less um, production happening throughout the economy, GDP starts to go down and all of this kind of stuff, right? So it's real bad, right? Mm. So, so actually, inflation can actually be a good thing, right? And and the way to think about that is if prices are going up, then it encourages people. Obviously, you don't want hyperinflation. We can talk about that a little bit a little bit later in the episode, right? But if prices are going up, if you know that, you know, you can buy, I don't know, a BMW. I don't know how much a BMW costs, right? But let's say you can buy a BMW for 100 grand now and you know that next year a BMW might be 120 grand. Well, it's like, well... Okay, you're getting it now for 100 grand and it's you know, it's worth less than it is going to be in the future. That's the general that's the general premise, right? Um so I got a little off track. So that's 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 why that's why governments want inflation because inflation actually drives demand. Okay, cool. So it sounds like inflation is actually quite an important piece in the whole ecosystem, right? And it's quite I mean people on a surface level, probably understand that and they can acknowledge that, okay, that's it influences it in some way but haven't fully understood what the impact is or the importance of it as well. Particularly from like a from a benefit perspective, I think people think of inflation as a consumer, you think of inflation and you might think of it as a negative because you think about, you know, like you said, the price of bread is gradually going up rather than the idea of how it is actually fueling the whole economic system and how it's actually a good thing. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Because inflation is so commonly seen as a as a bad thing. And again, like I said at the start of earlier in the episode, it's neither good nor bad. It just is, right? So there are mm. there are good bits about inflation and there are bad bits about inflation, right? And if you understand inflation, then you can really benefit from inflation. And and you could also hedge against inflation, right? So so you can understand the, the upside and the downside and, and all of that kind of stuff. So um, that's and I, and I think that that's like so. There's another really interesting thing, right? So let's let me talk to inflation a little bit more because one of the reasons it's a big it's a big prescient conversation right now is because of quantitative easing, right? And so because the government is pr- printing a lot of money. Right. What tends to happen is that the value of that money decreases. Right. So this is I'm talking in very general terms here. Right. So I'm just simplifying. There's a there's actually way more complexity to it than this. Right. But in very simple terms, if there's more money sloshing around in the economy, right, then then it starts to it starts to lose its value, and also it's it's cheaper. Like so, it's cheaper to. Uh, it's easier for businesses to employ more people and more people start to earn more money and there's more money floating around in the economy and so people start to spend more and as people start to spend more, demand starts to increase and as demand increases, prices increase and therefore we start to get inflation, right? So mm-hmm. so that's why people are talking about it right now because right now there's a bunch of money getting pumped into the economy. Yes, um, many parts of Australia have just gone into another lockdown and all of that kind of stuff, which is likely to extend the 
quantitative easing program from the Reserve Bank of Australia. And what that's going to mean is more money is going to be pumping into the economy, right? And what that does is that actually drives up asset prices. So that drives up asset prices. It drives down growth. And actually, funnily enough, it actually decreases the cost of debt, which is a really, really interesting thing as well. And so- Oh, that sparked up. You just sparked your interest. I saw your, <laughs> I saw your face. What, so, what do you What do you mean? Can you explain, please? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so if you borrow a thousand dollars, right? At, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> if you borrowed a thousand dollars today, right, and it was on a five percent interest rate, and then there was ten percent inflation, right? Your the money that you are using to pay back the debt is worth more than the money you borrowed. Right, so in real t- in real terms, it's costing you less. It's costing you less money, right? So so that because it's because what you borrowed is in historical terms, and then what you're paying it back is in future terms. So you're paying it back with more valuable with more valuable uh, money. Right? Yeah, right. Um. So so it so it's really good for debtors. So it's actually um, which is it's actually really good for the U.S. government because the U.S. government is the largest single debtor in the world, right? And so when inflation goes up, the cost of their insanely high amounts of national debt actually costs them less, right? Which is uh, which is good. So just to understand how 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 it works on a super again, this is super high level without going deep into the into the economic theory of it, right? But Basically, when the government wants to increase inflation, it lowers the cash rate, right? So it lowers interest rates because what that does is that stimulates more spending, right, and more borrowing because people because people borrow money on cheaper interest rates and spend more and they'll go buy a boat and they'll buy another house and, you know, they'll take their kids on holidays and they'll start to spend more. And then what that does is then that drives up that drives up inflation, which again is a good thing because that stimulates more production and more demand in the economy. And that also typically stimulates wages growth, right? So they typically sort of go, um, yeah, unemployment goes down as, as demand goes up. As demand goes up, production requirements go up, which means more people get employed, which means unemployment rates go down, which means wages go up, which they have to because they have to be able to compensate for the increased cost of cost of goods and services, cost of living, cost of assets, all of that kind of stuff. Now, the problem, the problem comes because it starts to become a an exponential flywheel, right? So what happens is that is that people start spending more, which means that it drives up uh, the cost of goods and services or cost of assets, which means that people try and get in faster because they're like, oh my God, house prices are only going up. Oh my God, oh my God, quick, 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 get in now. And people get FOMO and then mm-hmm. people start to try and spend more. And then, so then that starts, it starts to flywheel in the wrong direction, right? And mm-hmm. then everything starts to cost an insane, an insane amount, right? Um, so is that what we're starting to see now? No, 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 no. We're not. We're not. We're not. In 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 a real sense, we're not. Like so. Yes, Is there that has been what a- people are afraid of. Yes, so people are afraid of hyperinflation, right? Yeah. So hy- hyperinflation is when you know the. For example, if you look at the Weimar Republic uh, in the 1920s, to basically Germany, you know, it got to the point where value of the dollar had decreased relative to its purchasing power, which is to say that. What once well, a loaf of bread might have cost once once upon a time a dollar, and it was then now worth. It actually the cost of the cost of living increased by one point five trillion times, right? So wow. so if if a loaf of bread was a dollar, it became it then became one point five trillion dollars for a loaf of bread. That's how much inflation increased. So what happened is the 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 cost 
of the goods and services increased, which actually decreased the value of the dollar relative because you needed more dollars to buy the same amount of stuff, right? Do you understand mm-hmm. that relationship? Yep. So, so, so therefore, instead of instead of you know uh, a house costing a million dollars, a house might cost two million dollars, but it's the same house, right? It's the same house, which just means that your dollar is buying you less, right? So that's yep. the that's the inverse of it now. And so, what can happen when when stuff hyperinflates is it starts to get out of control because the the exponentiality of the rising demand and the rising costs and the you know the value of the dollar it starts to get out of kilter. So there's and there's not many ways to try and tame that beast, and that's a real concern when that happens because it can completely collapse economies. So like in in the Weimar Republic, people were were wallpapering their house with dollar bills because they were just so worthless. In <laughs> in in Zimbabwe, people were walking down the streets with wheelbarrows full of billion dollar notes just to go and buy their groceries. In Venezuela, um there was like thieves and stuff that would refuse to steal people's money because it just wasn't even worth them carrying. Like it was ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. And so so this is the impact of hyperinflation. So that's the risk and that's what people get get scared of, right? And they also get scared they're going to miss out. So the opposite is also just as bad. Deflation is probably just as bad as hyperinflation, right? Why? So um, it, that's that's a, probably a topic for a whole a whole another podcast. But it's the inverse. It's the inverse of inflation, right? Mm-hmm. So that so that means that um, you know it might end up getting just on an extreme case the the million dollar house might and become $500,000, right? So then asset prices start to decrease and then people's network and then everyone tries yeah. to put all their money in cash and then people yeah. then start to try and spend less because cash is worth more than the things that they buy and then that and then that stimulates that's the basically the paradox of thrift in action, right? Yeah. So in the inverse in the inverse of inflation, people don't want to spend any money because money's worth more than the stuff that they can buy and in an inflationary environment, nobody wants money because money is worth less than the stuff that they can buy, mm-hmm. right? So that's the easiest way to think about it. So, you know, in an inflationary environment, if you're if there's a if there's high inflation, basically the minute you get money, it's the second that you have it, it starts to devalue, right? It starts to like say cash is trash. So as soon as you've got it, you should spend it as fast as possible. Fill up your fuel tank, um, go and get as many groceries as possible. Like just get rid of it. Because if you can get real things, they're going to be worth more to you than the cash is, right? Deflation, deflation is the opposite. So that so the risk that that's they, these are the extremities that the economy tends to have to ride within. The typically held belief is that. Uh, for an for an established economy or for a you know developed economy, should I say, two percent is a good target inflation rate, and for an emerging economy, it's three percent, uh, three to three to four percent. Now, because Australia has uh, not had uh, had enough infl- inflation for the last however long, that's why the inflation target is two to three percent. But that's mm-hmm. all, and that's also why the the premise of what the RBA is doing with quantitative easing is they're saying they're going to keep printing money until the unemployment rate is down to like, you know, 4% or something like that. Because what that will do is then that will create enough demand for um, for for labor that the cost of labor will increase, right? And then and then and then wages will start to to increase, which means that people can afford to spend more. And so it's a virtuous cycle that goes around. Does that kind of make sense? Yep. So where we're at right now is they're about to kind of, well, they, they're gunning for higher inflation at the moment because we yes, haven't had they're trying to inflate the economy. Yep. Yep. And so I imagine there's a risk there to try and keep it under control because I would yep. imagine it would get out of control pretty quickly. 
in terms of governments. How do they get it under control? Yeah. Yeah, sorry, that was where I was going when I started rambling and going all over the place. Uh, <laughs> in- interest rates, right? So the easiest, the easiest yeah. way to the easiest way to control uh, inflation is using an, using interest rate increases, right? Yeah, so, actually, so yeah, you touched on it earlier. So like, when the easiest way that they can write, they can bring inflation up is to bring down the cash, bring down the cash rate, right? Yep. Yep. Can you explain that just in real layman's terms? Like, how does that? Is in the, ca- the cash rate? Yeah, the cash yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay, so there's 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 so two the, interest sorry. rates. Yeah, yeah, the cash rate and the relationship with interest rates. Yeah, yeah, totally. So there's two interest rates, right, that people need to be, be aware of, right? So there's the cash rate, which is the rate at which the Reserve Bank of Australia prints money and then says to banks, you can have this money at this interest rate, right? So mm-hmm. at the moment, that cash rate is whatever, 0.01%, basically zero, right? So what they're saying is we'll give you the money and you've got to pay it back to us at 0.01% interest. The banks then put a profit margin on it and then they say, hey, consumer, public, general public, because they get the they get the cash wholesale and then they sell it to you real retail, right? That's the difference. So mm-hmm. the banks get cash at wholesale prices, mm-hmm. right? And we get cash at retail prices. That's that's the general premise. Mm-hmm. So so what then so then let's say your mortgage interest rate is two percent. Um, that means the the spread between the cash rate and what the banks are selling you the debt at, that's the that's their margin, basically, right? Yep. Um so the way the way to keep asset prices under control. So to just to kind of go back to the go back to the the premise of inflation is that cash devalues, but the things you buy increase in value. Right now, uh, if you if you buy a depreciating asset like a car, that's not necessarily going to. Um, go up in value or you know that would not be a, that would not be an example of a good way to spend money and necessarily anyway right <laughs> full stop <laughs> but if you're buying so if you're buying something like commodities like i don't know iron ore for example or real estate obviously um these are these are appreciating assets because they hold intrinsic value gold is typically seen as inflationary hedge as well because it holds its own intrinsic value right um but if you've got a depreciating asset something it's something that you know wears out like a car and goes down down in value quicker than than that inflation is going up so if it goes if the value decreases faster than inflation increases the value of it you're still going to lose money on it right pretty simple now Houses typically don't do that. Houses are a really great inflation hedge. So, what what um, what governments do in order to throttle business expenditure and also household expenditure is that increase interest rates. So, if you've got if you've got lower cost of cash, right, then you may be more inclined to like, ah, oh, yeah, I'll get a loan, I'll go get a boat or a whatever, right, because the cost of money is cheap, right. Um, if the cost of money increases, you're going to be thinking more carefully about your household expenses. You're going to be thinking more carefully about household debt levels. You're going to be thinking more carefully about all that kind of stuff, right? And so you're more likely to throttle your spending and save it a little bit, right? And so, and the the ability for um, businesses to rapidly expand using debts decreases, and all of this, all of this kind of stuff, right? So it starts to slow things down, which is which is why interest rates typically go up when they're trying to control inflation. So if you get high inflation, interest rates go up. Um, if there's low inflation, uh, then interest rates will go down to try and drive it up, right? So that's that's the relationship between interest rates and inflation. Not enough inflation. Interest cash rate goes down, interest rates go down, 
therefore that stimulates more demand that stimulates more the the velocity of money which is actually the most important thing so the vol- the speed at which money moves through the economy is one of the greatest uh, indicators of economic health right so just in the same way that blood circulating around your system if you're you know blood is different colors did you know that no so, so blood actually turns different colors. If you've got a high level of circulation and if your blood is pumping freely and it's moving quickly, your blood will be a bright, bright red. If your blood is circulating slowly, it turns quite dark because it starts mm-hmm. to stagnate, right? So, so the circulation of money through the economy is one of the biggest indicators of, of cardiovascular health for the, for, the, for the economy, right? And so what they want is they want money moving quickly. But if they need to slow it down, Right? If it's moving a little too quickly, if people start to get heart palpitations and stuff like that, interest rates go up, so the velocity of money, et cetera. Um, does that, do you have any questions on that? I'm just thinking about like why, like we talk a lot about a bloat and cut type of analogy mm. with, with so many things in the world. Um, yep. And it seems like this is another one where you bloat inflation and then you kind of cut it and it's it's a back and forth right where they seem to consistently move to strong levels of inflation and then kind of mute it a bit don't go into deflation but like bring it down Mm. and then it's why do why do you may not know this but why does it not just like find an equilibrium and then oh in an ideal world it would yeah in an ideal world it would right so here's here's the thing the optimal, like every, every, everything in the universe operates on an oscillating frequency basis, right? Mm-hmm. Everything, right? So the frequency at which atoms vibrate, sound, everything, it's on an oscillating frequency. And what that is basically is to say that there's if there's a static midline, right, there's variations where where whatever whatever it is, whether it be the frequency of an atom or whether it be a sound wave or whether it be the economy or whatever, will vary from that baseline, that midpoint up. Right? It'll go above the line, right? And it'll go too far above the line and then it'll need to correct and then it'll go below the line and then it'll go too far below the line and then it'll need to correct and then it'll go... Tr- and the whole time, all it is trying to do is get to the baseline, right? Now, I have a belief that if you can get anything to vibrate on the exact, if you can reduce the frequency, it operates in perfect harmony, right? So mm-hmm. that's where, like, that that is perfect harmony, right? And so typically what happens in any environment, right, is, is you know, let's say demand increases, right, for, for let's say you're in a factory, right? The demand increase, you're in a soccer ball factory and demand increases for soccer balls and it's like, oh, my God, we've had 10,000 orders for soccer balls but we only have 100 in stock Quick, everyone, we need to make heaps of soccer balls, right? So then everyone starts making soccer balls and, oh, my God, make more soccer balls, more soccer balls. And all the orders keep coming in, they keep coming in. And then all of a sudden, all the orders stop. But there's a latency between when the orders stop and when the production slows down. And then all of a sudden, you end up with a glut of soccer balls. And you're like, oh, my God, we've got too many soccer balls. Quick. Well, everyone stop making soccer balls, right? And let's, let's try. So, so what yeah, happens is you sell them, just get rid of them. Don't try. Get rid of them. Just get rid just of them. Cover right? costs. Don't try exactly. and make a profit. Yep. So, so everything operates. Everything oscillates, right? The goal of any system, right, is to try and reduce the oscillation to to an in, to a normalized frequency range, right? And so the normalized frequency range should be as close to the, the baseline as is practicable within whatever whatever system and that finds perfect harmony, right? And so in an ideal world, 
that oscillating frequency for inflation would be 2%. So if, for example, the oscillating the oscillating range was 1.5 to 2.5%, and if it constantly just did that the whole time, bingo, we're, mm. we're good, right? The problem is it hasn't, right? And so what happens is you need to try and move it in one direction or another. And as you do that, you've got to try and put brakes on either side. And then the goal is to try and get it with just within the line, basically. Yep. Cool. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So um, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to inflate it because it's too low and it hasn't gone. Yeah. Ideally, th- ideally, they would like to cap that inflation at like 3% until we yep. find normalization and then get it under control. And it is totally doable. It's not like it's an uncontrollable beast, but there are so many different levers that happen on a on a global economic level mm-hmm. you know that that influence these kind of things because it's not always in within one government's control because you might you know the rba or the or the government might put in policies in place based on the things that are in our petri dish of australia and they're like okay within this petri dish here are all of the levers that we can pull right i don't know yeah. we can increase taxes we can decrease the cost of borrowing we can um uh pump money into infrastructure projects we can do this and this and that and but then i don't know maybe china stops importing iron ore yeah. Uh, well, we can't tell China to keep importing the iron ore, right? So then all of a sudden, that then has a massive economic impact and there's more levers that need to be pulled. So in a in a globalized economy, there are loads of other factors which dictate uh, a, lo- a lot of the a lot of the comings and goings of what we need to think about here. Yeah, cool. I like it because there's like it's a lot of different layers, right? There's so 100%. so many layers where you can think like in your little local level and then you can think about like LGA level and then you can think about the state level and then you think about national and then you think about mm. international economies. Um, and it's the same, like if you think about a real estate strategy, it's like you could think about like this strategy works for me right now considering my situation, looking at it just zoomed in, but then it's like, okay, actually like the value of cash changes. So mm. that strategy actually is not really the best strategy in the current economy. Yeah, that, 100%. That makes sense. And yeah, yeah. And I think the easiest, the best illustration of that is to talk about shares, mm-hmm. which we often do on this on this little podcast of ours to give yes. a comparison. Yeah. So the interesting thing with shares is that, you know, we've often talked about negatively geared companies or they're typically called growth companies, right? Mm-hmm. So Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Amazon. you know, these are these Uber, yeah, all that kind of stuff. These are companies that are that are um, growth based, and they typically are low low cash flow or no cash flow. Right, depends. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, the reason in a low inflation environment that they go really really well is because typically um, the cost of money is cheaper. Right. So, as the value in the value increases faster than the faster than the cost of debt. Right. Now. The downside, of course, is that in a high inflationary environment, the inverse is also true. So the cost of debt starts to increase, and the and the and cash starts to devalue. So the 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 yeah. So so basically, it, it, the inverse becomes true because you want to then buy assets which are actually going to produce cash flow and also grow in value, right? Mm-hmm. Because of because of the because of the the variance in the cost of debt. So in 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 real terms, for like property investors, one of the best things you can do is to 
you know, is to buy property in an inflationary environment, right? So if if we're in a deflationary environment, you know, you're better off just keeping all your money in cash, right? Hmm. But if you think that the that inflation is going to happen, and the thing is, inflation actually is happening right now. Just to be clear, so what's yeah. it? But what's happening right now is we've had a heap of inflation, but I I think it's an inflationary blip, right? So, and and there's different causes of inflation too. So we could probably talk about that for a minute. But basically, yeah, if you if you if you're in a position where you're in an inflationary environment, or you're entering into an uh, to an inflationary period, or you want to hedge against inflation and benefit from it, then you're much better off to buy assets. And in fact, if you're going to buy assets, you're much better off to buy income producing assets because the likelihood is that interest rates are going to go up to throttle the economy. So so if you if your current interest rate is three percent, right? But then, if in five years that interest rate goes up to six percent, then you're gonna make you're gonna want to make sure that you've got assets which are going to be able to hedge against the the uh, the higher cost of that debt, right? So therefore, you want income producing assets that also grow, right? Because there's there's three there's three types of assets, right? There are income assets growth assets and then there are basically value 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 assets or 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 balanced assets right and so to use those two to use the two extremes an income asset could be if you just base it purely on a yield basis could be i don't know some tiny house or some house in some tiny country town where the yield is like 11 percent or something like that right Mm -hmm. the the down the downside of that is that you're not going to get the maximum benefit of inflate of inflation and growth because it because of the environment that it's in now the but if the interest rates go up yes you'll be able to afford the additional interest rates but essentially like you're not going to get much of the benefit from inflation you're better off having your money elsewhere Inversely, if you were to buy something that was negatively geared, yes, the asset value would increase significantly because of the of the exponential, um, like the magnification effect, I guess, of of inflation. However, if interest rates go up, the likelihood of you being able to afford to continue to hold that is going to is going to be low, right? So you're going to be put in a position where you might not be able to hold the asset. Mm-hmm. Now, in a, in a balanced scenario, you're going to have something that grows and also produces produces um, surplus cash flow. That's in a business and a real estate sense. And then that's going to be your hedge against in, uh, increasing interest rates. So so that's one way to think about it. Now, back to back – to, sorry, I'm, I'm on a little bit of a roll here. But, <laughs> Go um, for it. The, there's, the reason that I think that we're currently only in an inflationary blip at the moment is because of the cause of the inflation. So the cause of the inflation at the moment is supply chain breakdown, right? So what what causes inflation is um, a, a cost in the production of goods and services, basically, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so at the moment, one of the biggest problems is imports and exports have basically, you know, had been shut down or slowed down or there's been breaks in the supply chain because of COVID, right? Which has meant that the cost of goods has gone up. So um in the in a building sense, you know, the cost of the cost of raw materials, timber and stuff has gone up and therefore the cost of cost of building a house has gone up. Mm-hmm. You know, like massively, insanely so, right? So so now it now it costs too much to but now it's it's costs more to build a house than the house is going to be worth, which is just mm. mental, right? Who the hell wants that, right? So, so the thing is, though, that as soon as the supply chain um, issues have been fixed and corrected, which could happen when there's, you know, 
more vaccine uptake worldwide or you know whatever the case may be but as we start to move through um the back end of the the COVID situation we'll, we'll likely see supply chains being re-established and the 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 actual supply has not diminished supply is still there the raw materials are still there they're not just not being distributed or turned from raw, raw materials into distribu- distributable materials in a, in a in a short enough time frame so as soon as we can ramp up production the supply chain issues will be sorted out which will bring the cost cost of goods back down a bit. So I just think we're right now in a bit of a blip. I don't think it's anything to be concerned about. A lot of people do are concerned about it because they're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. There's, you know, the mm. cost of goods is increasing. But I think it's just a, I think it's just a blip right now. And, yeah. and I think that's also, sorry, I just finished on that because I think that's also evidenced by the fact that the, go- the government isn't ramping up uh, interest rates right now. So Yeah, because it seems like people are, sorry, I, I asked the question earlier about like, is that kind of what's happening right now? It's like, are we at the start of like, are we in a highly inflationary environment? And you said no. So it's like, it seems like people are responding with that FOMO as though we are in a super hyperinflationary environment, but it's it's not an organic inflationary period. It's just that blip based on the supply chain, as you just explained. Yeah, 100%. And so the... You know, you can definitely see it in parts of Sydney. Interesting thing about Sydney is everyone thinks that all the prices have been going up everywhere, but they haven't. Some, some, some suburbs in Sydney have actually lost money over the last twelve months. So it's not like it's not like all house prices are going up everywhere. But what's happening? What's been happening to drive up house prices in some locations in Sydney? For for example, just using Sydney as an example, is that. Um, people have been getting FOMO, right? And they've been worried that they've been worried that they're going to miss out, and that's been that's been over that's been artificially inflating prices, right? So inflation happens in a few different ways. It's not always some big economic movement. It can just be the prices. Are, back to back to what I said at the start is when prices increase with no value added, right? Mm-hmm. So there was the, there's been no value added to change the intrinsic value, but the cost goes up. That's inflation. Inflation could be caused by increased demand, increased cost of production, increased all kinds of different stuff. And sometimes the the demand is artificial because people have psychological impacts where they um, believe something and therefore act on a herd basis, which can inflate prices, which typically typically results in a uh, flattening of prices afterwards because people go, oh, hang on a second. How, are we still doing this? Is this still going to keep going up, or where, where's the balance point? And then it'll find its it'll revert to the mean eventually, uh, or where there's supply issues where you can't get the stuff. So, and that's simple supply and demand. So, if if there was no coffee being imported into Australia anymore, well, guess what? The cost of coffee would suddenly skyrocket because there'd be a limited supply of beans. Um, so there's different kind of things at the moment, and a lot of a lot of the problem that other people face is they do get FOMO, but it also works two ways, because people get fear. Full stop. Firstly, they they sometimes get fear of missing out, and sometimes they get fear of the unknown, and in both cases, it leads to um, bad poor, poor decision making. You know, I, as I say, I, I think you know, and I was saying this um, at, during you know March, April, May last year when when everything was all. And everything was going a little bit wild and people were a little bit like, what's going on? I was like, no, 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 this is good because what's going to happen is we're about to start a huge, huge property boom that's going to kick, that's going to kick off for the next five, five to seven years, right? And now that's going to be driven by a variety of different factors, but also one of those factors is 
is going to be co- the quantitative easing and some inflation. So it can be a good thing if you understand it, but it's good to not get caught up in it, and it's also not good to not get afraid of it um, because you know what's what we've everything has a pro and a con, and if we can understand it, we can work out how to benefit. Awesome. Cool. Any other questions? No, I was just thinking. Like, I just I would I want to try and get something actionable or like what if someone's listening in there like on the fence about investing in real estate right now they might have been wanting to for a while Mm. um but they've got a bit of this fear that we're talking about of inflation like what would you say to them right now um well it's pretty it's pretty simple right so the easiest way to think about it is if you were going to buy a house now but you're not sure just think if you could go back to 1970 and buy a house then would you and the answer, the answer to that from everyone should be yes, right? Because the house, the cost of a house in 1970 was probably about, I don't know, 100 grand or 80 grand or something. And now it's now it's you know be 800 grand, right? So, so inflation is your friends in property investing. And so, what people need to be cautious of is not inflation, but what people need to be cautious of is uh, interest rate rises, which again are. Uh, not necessarily a bad thing. They're just a thing. Obviously, obviously, it's better better for property investors when interest rates are lower because they can borrow more money and get more cash flow. And of course, right. Uh, but the question shouldn't be should I not invest because we're about to get inflation. It should be how should I invest so that I can get the maximum benefit from inflation, but I can also manage my risk against interest rate rises. That should be the real question that people are asking themselves. Sweet. Great. Awesome. Cool. All right, Gabby. Well, I'm interested to know because we started this episode when you say that you didn't really understand inflation. I'm interested to know, do you feel like you understand a little bit better <laughs> now? What, what are your kind of biggest takeaways out of this? No, I definitely I definitely do. Um, I think it's just, it's interesting to think about the – like it's it's – all just a big machine and all these different cogs that flow into each other but it's also like we know that prices go up and down and we know that you know part of being in property specifically is that you want to experience growth in your asset value and so inflation is actually like a really significant factor in making sure that that happens Mm. (laughs) and so it's important to understand that and not be afraid of this term inflation because you think about costs going up, but it's like it actually brings the benefit that you want from this strategy that you're doing, um, which I think, yeah, I just I think it's important for people to understand. Yeah. What, what, what My favourite part of this discussion was actually the paradox of thrift. I think that's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. I think, it's, yep. I think it's a really fascinating thing to think about because um, it, it seems counterintuitive, right, that prices going up should be a good thing. Hmm. But only when you consider the inverse do you realize how bad it would be if the prices of everything went down, right? And it's truly fascinating um, to understand why we need to try as best we can to to continue to stimulate endless growth. Now, is endless growth even possible? Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, can the economy grow forever? Like, that's 
Mm. I don't know. And I don't know the answers to that, but that's the premise of what we need to do. That's the premise of the current economic theory, which we operate in <laughs> within. So, um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I hope this episode has been valuable for, for, for you guys, the listeners. Um, if you've enjoyed it, um, let us know and <laughs> we will see you on the next episode. Awesome. Thanks. See you guys. Bye.